Welcome to the Man on Second podcast on Real Voices of the Game Productions. I'm Joe Frasaro, joined by our co-host and producer, Dave D'Agostino. Uh, our mission, as always, on the network is to raise the baseball IQs of our audience. We shall do so today with um, a good friend of ours and a friend of the show, A.J. Ramos, former big league pitcher. A.J. has uh, graciously taken some time to be on the podcast for the second time. But several months ago, A.J. has a lot going on. But before we bring in A.J., uh, let's get Dave in here with some announcements. Dave, how you doing, buddy? Doing great. Doing great. And appreciate A.J. coming back on the show. We're all excited to hear about the project because we we caught wind of it first way back when when he was getting it going. But before we bring him on, just want to thank some people. Jaw Bats, it's the newest bat certified by Major League Baseball, one of our partners, RVG at checkout will get you a discount on a maple bat. Or if you want to get any of their other apparel, uh, it'll it'll cover that as well. My son Tanner's using his M110 model. Righty and lefty, uh, Jeff Fry used one down in fantasy camp. His C271 hit a pull side double. So as he says, got to work if you hit a pull side double with it. Also, Bow Nets, look for us to be doing some projects with them. Longstanding uh, net company in in baseball. A lot of pretenders out there trying to duplicate them, but these guys know what they're doing. They also make baseballs uh, and, and all sorts of things you need for practice. They do cover other sports as well. So Bo Nets, look out for them. And then Kinetic Arm. If you didn't hear the podcast two Fridays ago with Jeff Fry, Jason Collarin of Kinetic Arm is also going to be doing some major monthly projects with us, monthly clinics, uh, visual clinics online with our hosts, also gearing up toward an end of the year gathering in Georgia at his facility to bring in all our hosts and all our fan base to do some on in-person clinics for them. Final group millions. Thanks for handling our marketing right now. We'll have, we have our apparel dropped on Monday, hats, hoodies, and t-shirts, both for men and women. And then our experiences will be up next week. We went through the menu today where you can hire our host to send a message to a kid, a birthday wish, do it, ask them a professional question about their vocation you can have them speak virtually or you can have them speak in person. number of things that we're going to offer our audience out there. Another way that we're growing. And you guys created us, so we're giving you what you want here and what you've asked for. With that, Joel, kick it back to you. Yeah, thanks, Dave. A lot going on, and uh, please check out everything. We appreciate our audience for helping make this grow. And we appreciate our guest today, A.J. Ramos. A.J. is really one of the really good guys, really down-to-earth. Uh, people that are involved in this sport uh, playing career uh, 2012 uh, to 2021 played in parts of nine big league seasons with the Marlins Mets Rockies and the Dodgers um, AJ right now being retired he's uh, has some other ventures going on uh, but we're, we're going to cover a lot of ground with AJ uh, spring training, of course, has started with pitchers and catchers. And AJ, being a former pitcher, we're going to pick his brain on what that's like to, you know, kind of report there before the hitters and get everything going. But first, let's get catched up with AJ and see how he's doing. AJ, welcome to the show, my friend. Thank you. Thank you for having me on. Last time it was a lot of fun, um, and I'm excited that you guys uh, invited me on again. It's always a good time to chat with some old friends. 
Yeah, we appreciate that, AJ. Yeah, kind of catch people up for the people, you know, haven't heard your name maybe in a little while. Uh, and now that you're in retirement, uh, tell us some of the projects you're working on because uh, they sound very interesting. Yeah, so uh, last time we spoke, I was in the very early stages of creating a a, a show. It's a series. Uh, it's a uh, not exactly a podcast, not exactly a docu-series. Uh, it's basically where I interview athletes. Uh, on their process, I interview them on on how they attain and how they maintain their success, and we go over their mental process, their physical routines, and basically whatever the guest has time uh, to to go over. Basically, um, I'm trying to I try to immerse myself in their world to give the viewer the insight of what it's like to be them. Um, I'm trying to humanize the athlete enough so that people that are watching can relate to the athlete and they can maybe take some things from these guests, whether it be the mental aspects, the mental routines, the physical routines, or, you know, just overall routine and implement that into their own form of uh, routine so that they can find success as well. Because I want to redefine success. Success isn't just becoming a successful athlete and make it to the big leagues or, or make it to the NFL or whatever it is. Success sometimes can be awareness of self, can be growth of self. And I think when you normalize what's or redefine what success is, that allows people to uh, go for bigger successes, you know. And that's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to uh, get people insight by showing successful people in their environment so hopefully that it can help others and that's kind of what i'm in the business of doing right now i have three episodes out it's on youtube it's the locker room with aj um on youtube and um i have right now i have my the first episode was of me um kind of giving people the insight of of uh who i who i am and what uh, things i've been through and what it's like what it was like for me to retire from the game that i love uh, you know, that's a tough process. And I, some of the, the guys uh, who have retired have watched it and they said it's all relatable. I even had um, someone who was in the, the Marines for a while. Uh, his wife came up to me and, and, and said how relatable um, my story was to his story. Um, I think anybody that's worked in, in a profession for a long time sort of identifies themselves as what they do. And um, once they don't do that anymore, it's hard to kind of disassociate from that and, and uh, kind of um, be uh, the human instead of what they did. Um, so that's that episode. The next episode was a Mon Monica Puig. She was an Olympic gold medal winner. Uh, we yeah. go through her process. Uh, the next guy, the next person was uh, Ernest Jones. He's a middle linebacker for the Rams. He was a rookie when they won the Super Bowl. Um, and he just he just uh, broke the record for franchise tackles in a season. Um, and and I got a few more guests coming out and I have some other people that I'm uh, going to be filming. So, yeah, that's that's what I've been doing with that, um, along with some other ventures. And I'm, I'm you know, considering uh, doing some possible broadcasting or, or you know, something like you know, on field reporting or something like that, you know, so um, that could be in the works. So. Got a lot of balls in the air right now. We'll see what we'll see what comes of it. Uh, that's exciting stuff, AJ. As you know, uh, I've actually in the past week launched my own YouTube channel 
uh, my man on 2ND, man on second YouTube channel to kind of uh, umbrella and give another you know platform for all the content I'm, I'm generating. And I, I'm using, I'm, I'm promoting our man on second real voices of the game. I'm getting the podcast stuff in there. And I know it's very hard to, to kind of grow that. So um, what are, how long are these videos uh, for these workouts? Do they kind of vary? Do you have in your mind? Do you have like 10 minute segments, 20, 30 minutes? What are you looking at? So right now we do, there's a sit down portion and then there's like in the middle of the episode or sometimes at the end of the episode, there's like the, the workout portion. Um, that's just the, the the format that we had for these past few episodes. Um, in the future, it could be um, I could be golfing with somebody. I could just it, it, it's just it just kind of varies. But the length of it is around thirty five minutes. And um, you know, I'm still I'm still playing with the format. I'm still trying to figure out what works better if I can be more concise with it because I know a lot of people don't have a lot of time out there. So, uh, which is funny because if you put together uh, 10, 10 minute videos, those will end up being watched consecutively as opposed to, you know, one hour long video. So, yeah. so it, it's trying to find the right format, um, trying to lock that in again. I'm, I'm, I'm doing it with the knowledge that I have, you know, I'm starting to reach out to other production companies and starting to pair with other production companies that actually do these type of things to, to help redefine and, and be more concise with, with the story that I'm telling while also making it entertaining as well, more entertaining. So I'm still messing with the format a little bit, but uh, the bones of it, I think, is is there's something there. And um, I think th the main thing for me is just, you know, um, giving people insight of, of, of what it takes to be successful and then what it takes to maintain that success through different eyes uh, of different people and of different um, sports and professions. AJ, in the, in, the, in the few interviews you've done, I believe, what, you have a football player, tennis player, and I'm missing someone. Uh, but are you finding that commonality, regardless of the sport? Because I like what you talked about. I like the breakdown, the word success. I kind of tie that into, like, you hear the word process. You always hear all these coaches and players, oh, I trust the process. Yeah. They, 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 it's become a cliche, and no one really can define what the process is. And people just say, oh, we, we want success. Yet, unless there's you know something that leads to success, it's just a word. So what do you what are you kind of hearing as the the answers you're you're hearing when you ask these questions? What is success to these uh, to these people? Yeah, uh, I found that most people it's it's uh, for the people that I've interviewed so so far it's it's very it's not what most people think. Like oh, success is just making it to the like you're successful because you made it to the NFL, but that's Yes, that is a version of success, but also success is also being able to effectively read a playbook and 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 make play after play. Success is uh, having a good practice. Success is making sure that you're taking care of your body the way it needs to be taken care of. Those are all small successes that lead up to the major success, which would be winning a Super Bowl or winning a gold medal. You know what I mean? I think if you only if you only put success as winning a gold medal, then anything you ever do, unless you're winning a gold medal is not going to be successful to you. So you have to build small little steps to the six, the bigger success. But as you take a bit, if, as you step up and accomplish one of those steps, that's a success as well. You're successful. You're being successful. If you learn from a failure, that is a success. That's successful. That's what success looks like. 
So it's a constant thing. It isn't just a, a set thing like this is success and that's the only thing that can be successful. Because if you do that, you will fail every time unless you complete that one thing. So if you if you break it up, if you break up success into smaller bites, um, you're going to be more successful. And those little successes are going to motivate you to achieve the bigger ones that just are going to come naturally. You know what I mean? And yeah. the pro- and the other big problem is when you make one thing a success. Once you once you complete that, then what? How do you maintain that? But if you if you've taken the steps, which are also successes, if you completed those and you get to that big point, then maintaining it is just completing more steps instead of being like. Because I saw some guys, man, when they were called up. They go out, they get three outs, they're sitting in the dugout, and some veteran guy's like, good job, rookie. You got to do that again tomorrow. And their face, some some of these guys' faces are like, wait, I got to go through all that again tomorrow? Like, and, and, it, and it's almost like a, a realization like, wow, this is my job now. I got to deal with that pressure all the time now. And if you think of it like that, then it, it gets overwhelming. But if you think about it like, well, tomorrow – I'm going to come to the field. I'm going to I'm going to get my arm care routine going. Boom, that's a success. And then I'm going to get my lift in. Boom, that's a success. When you just worry about the process in quotations, then that's success. So then that you can go out and throw a clean inning and then that's the major success. You're like, "All right, cool." And if you don't, then you can still be successful by learning why you didn't throw a clean inning or why things didn't go uh the way that you wanted to. You know what I mean? So it's it's redefining what success is. Yeah, I I really like this topic, AJ, and I and I, I really applaud you for kind of illuminating it because it's kind of a pet peeve of mine where I see that. And but you know what? I think where we're we're as a society kind of kind of caught, AJ, is we have become so result oriented yes. that everyone just focuses on the result instead of, like you say, the steps that led to that result. Um, I want to bring Dave in because Dave's a coach, and I'm sure this is right in his in his wheelhouse. He'd love to jump in. Dave, I love it. I, you're talking a lot about process over destination. Um, you know, the, the the phrase "big time" or success, whatever people want to call it, it's a state of mind. It's a place in the heart, and mm-hmm. I, I like how you're presenting it to everybody. Now, if if, if uh, I know you did an episode, and I want people to go and watch it, so don't don't spoil all the punchlines to it. But in terms of you as a former uh, professional major league reliever, and then now you as the the adult re- adult removed from the process. What were successes to you? Just a couple of them when you were when you were a, pro, a major league pitcher, and then you now the adult beyond that. What messages would you have given yourself back then about how you maybe 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 approached it perfectly? Who knows? But what what are some things you've learned along the way that you may have changed? Um, I think I was in the same category with everyone else. You know, the only success that I that I felt was was good enough was throwing a clean inning. And throwing the the perfect inning. My my whole thing was trying to be too perfect. And I think when I was too rooted in trying to be perfect, that's whenever I tried too hard. That's when that's wherever I got in that mode where I'd put myself in these situations, bases loaded, time after time. And it took that that mode to where I was competing for myself. And then once the bases got loaded, it was like, hey, if you do bad now your team is going to suffer because of you. And once I got out of that, like, well, I got to, I got to be perfect. I got to throw this, this speed and I got to strike out this person, whatever. Once I got out of that mode, like, Hey, 
do not lose this game for your team. That's when the best came out of me. That's when I was I was performing uh, um, the way that I wanted to perform from the start. You know, it took that pressure to get me out of the the selfishness sometimes that I guess that I was in that I didn't realize. Um, so what I would be what I would do is this, you know, my the the message I would tell myself now is perfection doesn't exist. There is no such thing as perfection because no matter how great you do in that mindset of looking for perfection, you're always going to find something that you didn't do that you're like, I'm going to do that next time, or I can do that better. It's, it's more being satisfied with, with being the best version that you can be that day. You know, there was times where I wasn't throwing, you know, the speed that I wanted to, or my slider wasn't breaking the way I wanted to break. And I tried over and over to make it break. And then it came to a point, I'm like, again, bases loaded. All right, hey, throw whatever you can throw to get out of this inning without losing the game for your team. So, you know, that was the other thing I tell myself is like, hey, throw with what you have today. Make that the best. Make that, you know, um, that that's what you have today. And, and make that work. Don't try to overdo it. And the times when I did do that, the times when I, when I was out there and I was throwing maybe 89 to 91, when I was like, well, that's what I have today. Those are my cleanest innings. Those are, those are better than sometimes where I was throwing 94 or 95, you know, because, you know, I was like, hey, you know, this is what I got today. And, and, and I'm going to make it work no matter what. You know what I mean? So I think chasing that perfection is one of the things that, that well, got me hurt, really, uh, I think. You know, I was trying to, you know, especially after surgery, I was a different version of myself. And I was constantly trying to be a, a version of myself that was better than I ever was. And that perfection uh, drove me to, one, uh, overwork, and then, two, uh, blow out again. Yeah. I, I work with a lot of young kids now. And one of the phrases I used to say to myself, I wish I could remember who said it to me. I'd give them credit for it. But since I can't, I'll take credit for it. But <laughs> I, uh, I would remind myself, hey, just do the next right thing right. That's the most <clears> perfect <throat> you're ever going to be. Um, you know, with, with your two, the two shows you've done thus far, I, I do these shows and I, I love the content, but I also have a selfish part of it where I've got a split down the middle of my paper where I've taken notes on the show, but I'm learning things too. Every show I do with Joe, I learn something from Joe or the guest. Um, what, what are a couple things, again, without spoiling the episodes, I want people to watch them. What are a couple tidbits that you've learned from your two guests thus far? Oh, uh, yeah. Um, well, with Monica, uh, it was one of the things one of the things that I learned with her is that when she when she won the uh, the gold medal, she said that she was in a state where she was just trying to have fun. And and I think with that, I, I, I could never I it was hard for me to have fun while playing. I had to be in a state of like anger or or just high energy. Um so the thing that I'm trying to get from Monica is again, it, it's combating that perfectionism in me, which is have more fun with it, be more loose with things, like allow the process to come because again, you're trying so hard to do things. You're, you're, you're it's like trying to throw a punch completely flexed. Like you're not going to be as, as fluid. You're not going to be as good doing something like that. So it's more about, you know, being relaxed and allowing things to come to you, allow the game to come to, to surface to you instead of trying to dictate everything. And trying to be more like that is something that I've learned 
from Monica and from, from Ernest, honestly, it gave me, I, I, I saw a lot of myself in Ernest, in Ernest Jones. He, I feel like in that interview, I, I think that he didn't want to talk too much about things because he felt that he wasn't, um, he wasn't where he wanted to be just yet. You know what I mean? He, he, he had goals. He has goals still. He has things that he wants to, to accomplish. So like looking back, it was like, you know, when Joe, when you come up to me, whenever I'm, I'm, I'm on the road to a record, Hey, you know, your numbers, Hey Joe, don't tell me about the numbers. Don't tell me. I don't want to hear nothing about the numbers, man. I'm still working. I'm still working. I don't want to hear about any of that stuff. You know what I mean? So, so yeah. it, it's kind of, it was kind of that kind of vibe of, uh, from Ernest because he's in the middle of it. He doesn't want to reminisce on things because he's working. So, you know, it, 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 it reminded me like, Hey, you know, let, let's get to work. Let's get to work on these things. And, and reignited that old feeling of me of like, I got things that I want to accomplish and it's time to go accomplish it. So it's just, it's more reminders that I learned from them because I relate it to both of them. Like, and it's, and it's wild. Like Joe, you, you mentioned earlier, like, have you have, have you been able to find commonality in these in, in people that you've talked to and and yes yes I've, i every person that i've talked to uh one of the episodes coming up it's a guy that uh he does long distance water ski jumping he has the world record for that and a lot of his process and things that he's talking about i'm like man i relate to that so it's it's kind of cool talking to people from completely different sports uh how you can relate the, the the spirit of competition and competitiveness like there's so much uh intertwined that you can relate to yeah no no doubt the great stuff from aj ramos uh aj you, you kind of touched on kind of the dichotomy of of media relationship with player and also organization what aj is bringing up for our audience that may not know uh, as a beat writer if like let's say AJ is on a string of like twenty straight scoreless innings and the team record is like twenty-one innings or whatever the number is, but get the, the gist. And so you kind of have to thread that needle because as a writer, you don't want to go there and jinx it for the guy. And so you, you just kind of <laughs> you, you kind of have to broach that stuff. So you kind of attack it from I know Clark Spencer, a good friend who was at the Miami Herald, he'd be very blunt. Hey, AJ, you've gone like you haven't given up a run in a month. You know, how yeah. do you feel? And you're like, Clark, you know, he was kind of notorious for kind of doing that. But, um, you know, so that that's kind of where AJ was coming from there. Uh, but speak to that, AJ, you know, a little bit more to our audience on that. You know, obviously, we had a job to do as media. Uh, we respect your boundaries. You respect ours, too. And where we both could kind of give the answer without, you know, the reporter coming across looking like the bad guy. Yeah, yeah, that's that's important, man. Because uh, you know, I understood that people are trying to do their jobs, as am I. You know, so uh, I would always try to start the thing off, like especially if I kind of had an understanding of where I was as far as you know, a streaks and stuff. You'd be like, hey, I, guys, I know, I know, I'm on something. Um, we can just say, hey, you've been doing really good lately. You know, what do you attribute that to? And <laughs> that's you know what I mean, because I. I think when, yeah. for me, if if I get too specific with things, then that's an outside distraction, and that's something I'm trying to do something more than I'm than I need to. Like up until that point, I was just focused on the steps and the process and my routine. And if I focus on that, the uh, whatever comes of it, the results of it will be what they be. But if I add into, like for me, I know some people are different. For me, it was like if I add in, hey man, you need two more games. 
then I might try to press a little bit. I might try to do a little bit too much, too much. And then the streak's gone because of me trying to make that a goal instead of the goal being do your process, focus on your game and let whatever come, come, you know? Yeah, no, no doubt. No doubt. Um, This conversation also, AJ, kind of reminded me back of uh, Joe Borowski. Our audience may remember Joe, the used to a longtime reliever. Uh, He spent a year with the Marlins, I believe, the year after he was with the Cubs in like the early 2005-ish type of years, 405. Um, And he was the Marlins closer. And Joe would be the first to admit he wasn't electric. He he certainly didn't have wipeout stuff. A lot of times after he had get a save, he would, you know, he had kind of simplified it to the point where he just threw the ball down the middle rather than walk a guy and he get a game ending pop up and admit being lucky. But he and in, 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 like the next day after I talked to him about one of his situations, he said, look, he goes, he goes, I know my limitations. I know I'm a basically a 3.8, whatever his ERA is right around there. But why managers like me is I'm the same guy every day, good or bad. And the manager knows I'll take the ball if my arm's falling off rather than a guy with electric stuff who is on emotional roller coaster. And you've AJ, we I'm sure you've seen a bunch of your you know former teammates or, or competitors against where you see a guy, if he's doing great, he's the greatest guy in the world. If it ain't going so well. It's like he's a huge distraction. So kind of speak to the, the temperament. I think this gets to as kind of the broader theme of the mental aspect that you brought up. Uh, kind of talk about those, those, especially in relieving, where you got to have good or bad, a, a very turn-the-page mentality, a short memory, because uh, tomorrow could, you know, you got to do the same thing and the result may change. Yeah, I, I um, what I always say or what I've been saying is um... – you have to you have to see everything or a lot of things as just information and i think when you see it like that um you you no longer are emotionally attached to a win or a loss you're like the information that came out right here was we lost because xyz instead of i think sometimes when you say oh i lost the game for us then you say then you can possibly start labeling yourself as certain things which some of these guys would do some of these guys would come off the mound like and say their their name their full name like oh aj you suck i can't believe you oh like you know they're talking to themselves speaking to themselves like that out loud not just in their head so i can't imagine what they're saying in their head and that for me is bad because how do you you know when you're done with the with with the game you go home I feel like you have a tendency of telling yourself that as well at home and you're not pleasant to be around at home and you make life outside of playing uh, miserable, you know? And that was one of the things I talked to with Ernest, Ernest Jones. He said, it's hard for him to wind down from a game, especially if they didn't look, if they didn't win, you know? And I said, you have to separate yourself from, from that because if not, if you're on a funk on the field and if, and for baseball, sometimes that's a long funk. Baseball is a long season. And if you live in that funk off the field, that's just going to make life miserable. So like, and you have to find a way to, to see things as information. And if you see it as information, then you can change some of the information to get the, the more favorable information that you want, which is a win or a clean inning or a clean delivery or whatever it is. And then same thing with like, 
Um, same thing with like even uh, uh, hecklers. I was at the waste management um, uh, golf tournament uh, last week, and I forgot who it was who was who was uh, golfing, but there were some guys that were really tearing into him. Cause you know, in the waste management, you can talk to their backswings. You can do all that. You're like, it's all, it's, it's wild. Yeah. Um, and one of the guys I was with was like, man, I can't believe, I, I can't understand how he doesn't turn around and say something back to him. And I was like, because I was like, what, think about this. Do you, do you say something to the birds when they're chirping? Do you say something to the car that's driving by? Do you say something to the wind that's blowing? Like they said, no. I'm like, well, because what, why? Cause those are noises. Right. So what those people are doing over there is just making noise. So you have to see them as just another noise. And if they're just another noise, then what they're saying holds, it doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't hurt you. It doesn't invoke a, 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 a emotion out of you because they're just making noise. They're like a bird. You know what I mean? So being yeah. able to look at some of those things that way, I think help you deal with the wins and losses and the ups and downs of the season to then still be able to complete your process and alter it whenever you need to, based off of the information that is being presented to you in the game. No, that that's awesome and a very interesting and excellent point. And you know, AJ, I thinking about last year, the Marlins. They had uh, David Robertson. They brought him uh, him in uh, for the second half run, and and David obviously has had a very distinguished career. But, you know, his, he's getting older and this stuff isn't as you know strong as it was during his glory days with the Yankees. And he was going through a rough patch and and he gives up like, let's say he blew like two saves in a row, whatever, gives up the home run. And the media, and this is where a lot of the writers now are are a little bit younger, not as experienced in the game. And they they are trying to be, you know, you know as and, and Robertson's being, you know, accountable, he's standing there. And they're they're trying to frame the question, which is from a media standpoint, how to get the best answer, you know, without being necessarily confrontational after somebody just gives up the game. But they kind of throw it out there. Was it a lack of execution? Uh, did you miss your spot? And the thing that caught me on this particular in- interview was that was the question. And David goes, no, it wasn't a lack of execution. I executed the pitch I wanted to do. Tip your hat to the hitter. But these are major league hitters, and I got beaten by a guy who put a great swing on the pitch I wanted to throw in the area I wanted to throw it. Mm-hmm. And I think that, and so that comes out and it goes on social media, which naturally the, the public perceives as this guy's just being a douche to the people and the reporters and what an idiot he is. And I'm like, no, mm-hmm. no one's really wrong. You know, the reporters have to ask their job. Robertson gives the answer, and I can relate to his answer. Because, like, speak to that where you could execute your pitch and get beat. You know, it's part of the sport. <laughs> you know, and I, I think that I, as we get more and more analytically driven and and kind of indoctrinate the fan base it, with that knowledge, they kind of lose track of that because they just see the absolute number. They just see black and white. They see no gray. And right. so just kind of speak to that where you could execute every pitch you wanted to and still the result doesn't come out the way in your mind or or on paper it should have. Yeah, the, those are the times where I was able to to flush a game faster than than any because you know, I executed my pitch. Um the guy just beat me. I mean, there's times where uh it's so wild like you can throw it right down the middle and pop and there's a pop up 
or you can hit your spot low and away with that slider that breaks exactly the way you want it and you it's after an inside fastball that like backed them off the plate like you have them set up perfectly though that slider the guy just stays back just a little bit backspins one out to right field you know what i mean and those are the ones where i'm like wow i'm actually like impressed you know what i mean i'm like man that, that was a damn good hit now the fans gonna see that like i can't believe you you messed up my parlay like you know something yeah. like that you know what i mean something like that you know they're 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 you know mad for whatever reason uh they're, they're entitled to that that's fine so like you said all can be true you know he answered the they asked the question he answered it you know uh the way he felt was right because that's that was his experience and the fans can react the way they want to react they're, oh he's a douche he's whatever whatever i mean that's their opinion um that's where that's where you have to see that as just noise some to some degree you know but but yeah man i think uh it's it's tough because sometimes you you do all the things right and you still and you still lose and sometimes you do a lot wrong and somehow you sneak out of there with a win. You know what I mean? I think, I think people always want to talk about something or people always want to bring up something to, it's kind of fun, I guess, to them um, when it's not pertaining to them. So it's easy to to criticize and it's easy to, to, uh, you know, label somebody as something. Um, It just based off of one, one answer that, that was given, you know what I mean? No, no doubt. Yeah, you know, and you know, when you're around the game enough, you see that. And and you and obviously the the the, the reliever is, you know, the the offensive lineman that gives up the sack. You know, the usually, you know, yeah. you only, you're only talked about when it doesn't go your way, you know, and when it's the failure. And that's why we always as beat writers try to, you know, if we were going to talk to a reliever who was on the re- the end of getting beaten, the next day if they came through, we always made a point of going and talking to the reliever again. Right. So right. It wasn't like, I know that's kind of, I hope that the writers today are still doing that, but that was always the beat writers on the Marlins, our rule of thumb, because we weren't just going to go to somebody on a bad, you know, if they make an yeah. error or they give up the game winning Homer, we're going to go talk to them when they get the final out or make the great defensive play that won a game as well. Uh, That was just kind of how, from the media standpoint, because we felt that was important for you to look at us and say, hey, look, he's he's covering it fair. You know, Joe's doing his job. He's not just here butchering us. And, you know, he's there, you know, (laughs) trying to do the job. And I feel that's important. I think you guys respect that too from us, right? Oh, for sure. For sure. I mean, that that, that makes us like more open to more interviews because it's like, well, this guy just called it like it is, man. And that's, that's important. I'm curious though, Joe. Like, was there was there a particular moment that you can remember where someone flew off the handle at you for a question, or was there somebody that you always were nervous about going to talk to, either on consecutive occasions or or just on like uh, you're like, oh man, I'm, I'm I'm afraid to go talk to that person right now. Is there anybody that? No, you uh, get, yeah, you you get that way. And a lot of them were. Remember John Roush? He was like, Ooh. he had a really bad, he had a really bad rep with the media. And it was like, uh, do we do it? You have to do it. Yeah. You can't just not because you lose respect, you know? So, but for the most part, he was good. Uh, there were, I, I don't really want to mention his name, but yeah, there yeah. was a, I, you know, because I don't want to draw attention to it, but he was basically a bench player who I just had a moment with. 
and never really went back to him. Uh, it would just didn't it just didn't work. It wasn't going to be a good look because he didn't really want to, you know, because, you know, players turn around and say, hey, this guy's an idiot. Don't talk to him. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, you always tried. I always try to be, in, you know, a fair broker. And and because a lot of times you'll hear, oh, you'll like this guy or you won't like this guy. Um, I always wanted to make my own opinion and always try to be fair if they didn't want to talk. They didn't want to talk. It, you get a little frustrated at some that were only talking when they won. You know, mm. and like, and even, yeah. you know, and then would just not talk. And it's like, come on, you got it. You, because the problem is this, and this is an interesting topic too. If we want to get to beat writer relationship with team, if the players themselves aren't talking, then their teammates are doing the talking for them. Mm. And that puts the teammate in a bad spot. So, you know, it, it gets really hard in rebuild years. Oh, um, yeah. I remember there was one veteran infielder who who came in kind of as a rental and like one or two days in a row, you know, because you lose a lot in rebuilds, obviously. Yep. And and he was like, hey, dudes, you know, just can you please not come to me every day? Like he <laughs> kind of didn't really want to have to be the team spokesman that, you know, the voice of reason, uh, that type yep. of situation. But for the most part, I can honestly say in, in 20 years on the beat, there might have been two or three players I just didn't get along with at all. And that was that was it. You know, I always had something redeemable or, or somewhat, you know, a pleasant situation with them. But, yeah, there, there would be and sometimes it'd be guys I get along with really well. But I knew how they acted after losses yep. where they could get a little ornery. And you could ask a question to get a great response and then ask the same question with meaning the same tenor tone yep. uh, topic. And then the worst, the worst is when you ask the stupid question, which which is we're human too. And sometimes it comes out and says, "Oh man, I didn't mean to ask it that way," which you know elicits a response. And usually, I always try to if I if I just had a boneheaded question, I just totally messed up a fact or something like that. I usually that night, you know, you kind of have to wear it in the group or or individually. I always try to make it the next day to say, "Hey." get that get that player and just kind of say hey look that's my bad i i for what i should have known better i asked a stupid question um and you know i always i always try to you know you know wear it when i felt that i was at fault in, in the way right. i asked the question because it never it, it never was it was one of those stupid questions. You can't just leave it at that. Yeah. What is what is your dumbest question that you've asked? Oh gosh, I don't have any. You know, it, it might have been you know the guy was with the wrong team. I got it confused. Oh, when you played for for this team, because I confused uh, that player with another player who was a similar type of player. <laughs> and it's like, come on, man, do your homework. You know, I, uh, you know, I was, but it was like always like the, you know, role player type, and but I got called on that early. Um, and got, you know, cause I, I basically confused that player with another player, mm. you know, that, oh yeah. When you played for, you know, Tampa Bay and the guy never played for Tampa Bay and it's like on video and, you know, that type of thing. Um, you know, that, I, I had, that I had something, kind of, <laughs> I had something happen like that, but only because I looked, <laughs> I looked like Donovan Solano. So like I was, it was on the field. It was during batting practice or something like that. And I was chilling by the cages or something i was chilling by the dugout and someone came up to me hey donovan hey so how did you feel uh you know just asking me i can't remember what question it was and i answered i answered as if i was donovan as well 
And then he's going to ask me another question. I was like, bro, I'm not Donovan. I'm AJ. And he started, he started like, Oh my God, I'm so sorry. Like he was, he was like, he wasn't like a, obviously a regular beat writer. Cause n- nobody ever made a mistake like that, but it was somebody that got a media pass and I can't remember what, what it was, but that was the only like time I got confused with somebody. But I, I kind of understood because me and Donovan, uh, Solano are somewhat, I can see us, I can see a resemblance there. No, no doubt. It, the stuff ha- that stuff happens. And when you, it's like, you know, it's like you guys, you know, we're, we're sitting there. We got a, if there's spring training, there's 63 players there day one, you know, and then trying to remember faces and every, and then all this, it's easy enough to, it's easy enough to stumble along the way, but, uh, sure. you know, but uh, again, I, I always, you know, at the end of the day, when you're a reporter, and I know the industry has changed a lot, but that generation where you could stay with an outlet for 20 years and there wasn't as much, you know, alternate media. Yeah, I always, at the end of the day, felt my credibility is all you got. You know, no matter how much money you make, where you work, it's like your reputation. And that's maybe that's a prideful thing that my dad, you know, taught me, you know, respect that last name. I, I throw it on my son, who's this is a scout with Arizona. Just respect that last name and, you know, that type of thing, right. uh, which I think is all, all parents with their kids, too, obviously. For sure. For sure. <laughs> yeah. Dave, what do you got? Well, um, AJ, with, you know, you, you made a great point with the the wife of the Marine coming to you early on in the, in the interview here about kind of winding down post-career. You talked about how to wind down after a game. What, what's what's some of the things you've learned personally, but some of the things you've pulled out from not just interviews, but people like the, the wife of the Marine about how to wind down into life now? Because boy, athletes have that that state of mind, no matter what career you're in, you, you know, you're geared up, it becomes who you are instead of what you do. What's some advice you can give to some of our audience members about how to how to wind down and move into that next phase of your life? Uh, give yourself some space. Um, give yourself some grace. Um, one of the things I was really good at on the mound was not ever not showing emotion until after the play was done. Um, I felt like I, I had a good poker face. I didn't let people know I was nervous. Um, I try to adapt a, a, a mindset of, again, not allowing myself to, um, to take the loss off the field and like kind of washing it down and processing it or whatever. Um, so when I got done playing, um, it was hard for me to allow myself to feel emotions because if you're cl- for me anyway, when I was closing, if I felt too pumped up, if I felt too nervous, if I felt too uh, anxious or whatever, if I felt too much of anything that was going to um, mess up my play. So I associated emotions with, with bad, like don't feel those things. So when I was done playing, and, you know, I had no outlet to transmute that those emotions to a pitch or to a workout. You know, uh, it was hard for me to to feel it was hard for me to, to especially those quotations, negative emotions. Um, so what I would say to people is um, that have maybe something similar to that is, is allow yourself and don't judge yourself for feeling a certain way. Uh, let let that emotion process and 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 kind of find the source of it all where's um, that come I, from? i'm sorry where's that come from you you said you, you you prided yourself on not showing emotion and emotion was bad where'd you learn that from 
Well, I learned it from just uh, when I felt a certain what too much of something on the mound. When I felt when I felt too confident, when I felt way too confident, I usually uh, tried to 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 make I. I thought I I thought it was I was in, it was in the bag. I thought I I was like, "Oh, I'm going to breeze through this this uh this outing." And then boom, you know, something would happen. Or I felt too too angry. Oh man, I'm going to throw the ball hard today. Bad. You know, or you know, every time I felt too much of something, it it really it really uh messed up my play. So I associated that with, "No, don't do that. Be even kill." No matter what, bases loaded, or I give up a hit, or there's an error, because again, like I see some people get really mad at someone making an error, and then that alters, that alters the way they pitch in in, in a negative way, you know. And I see two people, too, too many people, you know, celebrate their first strikeout and then give up a couple bombs. It's like anything that takes you out of the zone is 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 extra energy that is taking away from your focus of what you need to do. So that's kind of where I, I I learned it from from watching other people from from uh, from uh, my own experiences. Um, so that's good to a certain extent is is emotional regulation, but I overdid it. You know what I mean? I over I over uh, regulated my emotions to the point to where I didn't allow myself to feel those. So that was a negative thing that came from that. You know, emotional regulation is great to be able to understand yeah i'm feeling mad right now but i'm not gonna allow it to affect me but for me it was like oh i feel nope i don't feel angry i don't feel anything you know what i mean and that kind of gravitated off the field so it was tough for me to um to to deal with those emotions when i was done with it all so for me it was taking the time to feel feelings to feel emotions and not judge them i mean i think as a man, you know, um, especially as a Mexican American, uh, you know, crying and, and, and all that is, you know, portrayed as weakness or is looked at as weakness to some people, you know what I mean? So not judging myself for the way I'm feeling not, and allowing my, giving myself space for that and then allowing to process all those emotions, I think was important to me when I was done playing and then starting to get to a point where I can analyze, all right, what things that made me successful in baseball can make me successful in other areas? And what are the other things that I need to maybe uh, uh, ax or, or put away for now that aren't going to help me off the field? You know what I mean? So um, when you get to a, a place where you can analyze things in, in, without so much emotion attached to it, um, I think that's whenever you can uh, really take what you learn and what got you successful in one area and bring that and, and, and implement it into, into other areas of life. Um, and I could only do that by allowing myself to feel my feelings again and uh, uh, learn from them really. Yeah. It's great advice. It's just, it's another form of the noise you mentioned early on. It's how to yeah. classify it as information. I like that. Joe, I'll turn it back to you. Yeah. AJ, just kind of on the emotional thing, uh, let's, I would like to get your opinion on the whole Travis Kelsey, Andy Reid, that, oh. you know, little blown off some steam, which um, to me crossed the line with basically being in his face and bumping him. But, uh, but also that's the Super Bowl. And, and how do you, how did you kind of read that as a, as a former player? I was, in, I was a little embarrassed. I got secondhand embarrassment um, because I don't think that's, 
in Travis Kelsey's nature to do that. And, and it, it kind of put Andy Reid in a weird position. Um, I, I don't know. Again, this is from a completely, you know, I don't know either, either of them. Um, but, um, you know, it seemed like, you know, Andy Reid, his hands are tied there. He can't discipline him. He can't show anything. He has to kind of take that on the chin because that's one of his best players. So it just it just put everybody in a, in a weird position. And I'm sure I haven't heard any any interviews from it. I, I want to go back and watch. Um, I don't think he's spoken out about it, but I'm sure Kelsey is pretty, um, pretty embarrassed by that because, um, again, it, I, I don't know what it's got to take crazy emotion. It's got crazy uh, uh, football is, is very high intensity and you have to play with so much testosterone and energy that um, I guess those things happen often uh, in football, but maybe not with the head coach. Um, so yeah, it's, it's uh, I'm, I'm interested to, to hear what, what uh, came of that. And, and uh, uh, but I, I was, I got secondhand embarrassment from that. Yeah. Dave on that. Oh, I, I, I agree. I, you know, I thought he crossed the line. I heard, I put it up on Facebook because I probably got four to five hundred questions pertaining to that. Because I do a question of the day, AJ, for our audience, and rather than answer the question, I put it back out there because people were message, messaging me privately. I said, "What's the audience here?" Oh, I had it was one of the most engaging debates back and forth where people were getting angry about the disagreement. <laughs> and my my personal opinion, I thought he. He, he put Andy Reid in a bad spot because he put Andy Reid in a position where he had to decide between a player and the team. Yep. And uh, I, I don't think everyone do that with a head coach because that decision's made a long time ago. It's the team. I would like to gather that Andy Reid has a better idea about his team culture than I do. So I'm, I'm sure he weighed that when he made that decision, long-term, short-term effects. But, uh, you know, he was asked after the game. He made a joke about it a little bit. I thought Andy Reid handled himself with total class. Uh, regarding it, I'm sure he had to sit down with that guy that that day or the next day about, hey, we're not going to pull that BS anymore. But Kelsey's brother spoke out. They have a podcast together. He called him out on it. Said you crossed the line, brother. Yeah, he said unacceptable. I think yeah. is the word. Yeah, yeah. that's not good. Yeah. And then Michael Urban was asked about it. a lot of the a lot of the football guys. I was curious to see if they would say because I I get it too. I mean, I, I didn't play football, and uh, they've got to get themselves in an just a, an insane state of mind Oof. to make what they do out there seem normal. You know, it's a collision. Yeah. So again, it's hard for me to judge. Yeah. But I, you know, someone said, well, it's the biggest moment. It's the Super Bowl. in those biggest moments, that's where you, you got to be at your best. The thing you talked about, the noise, that's also noise. Um, I was looking for a teammate and I, I think somebody grabbed him, but um, to grab him and, and put him back down and, and just say, yeah. not, not here, not now. Um, I don't like that the cameras are that close, to be honest with yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, so like you said, it's the biggest game. It's the biggest moment. Um, this is where your composure has to take over. You know what I mean? Like, you don't ever want to be out of control. So for him, his anger, that was Travis Kelsey's anger, not Travis Kelsey. That yeah. was Travis Kelsey's frustration, not Travis Kelsey. Now, if all that anger and that frustration, that all that takes – all that right there is going towards, you know, running over somebody. That's how you use that anger and frustration. Yeah, you know what I mean? Anger. Controlled anger. Yeah. And he was out of control. You know what I mean? And that's that's where I'll say, you know, I stand on that. He was out of control in that moment. 
Now, the circumstances that led to that, understandable to certain degrees and this and that, but he's a pro. He's been in Super Bowls before. He's conducted himself in, you know, before, and that was out of character. And it was, it was a moment of weakness for him, meaning he wasn't able to control that anger or frustration or whatever was leading to that. So yeah, it was, it was, it was not him. It was the emotion to that, you know what I mean? So that's where I stand on that. People tried to tell me that they used, and again, it's people have their opinions. That's what social media is about now, I guess. But, uh, they tried to classify that as, well, it's, it's, a, it's a, just a next level of competitiveness. And I said, I see it as just the opposite. I saw it as a moment of weakness, uh, a moment of uh, lack of self-awareness, a moment where they, they totally lost their competitive edge, at which point as a head coach, say, you're not even aware enough now to know, because it, like, it was an accidental bump. I said, whether it was on purpose or accidental, he was so out of control that he didn't either have spatial awareness or mental awareness or both, he's got to, he can't go into a game like that. Right. So, well, at least in the media. Dave, I think it touched on the word that that AJ gave the, the example himself when, when AJ said he was trying to overthrow and when got out of his own selfishness, you know, that was a moment of selfishness. Right. I agree. Where where the player, you know, uh, yeah, this is a, these are fascinating topics. Uh, we we could go in a lot of different directions here, uh, but we're getting pressed for time. Uh, you, any last things for um, um, Dave for for AJ? Yeah, just well, I think AJ interviewed us on this one. He flipped it around. That's easy. Yeah, this is this was a fascinating. Yeah. One. I enjoyed this one. That's like the Jeff yeah. mind trick you just pulled on us. We yeah, uh, I'm curious. <laughs> that, that, yeah, that's 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 a sign of being smart. I think I, I loved it. The uh, your show now, how often will it, will it be out? How do people find it? That, give, give us that. Yeah, you go on YouTube, uh, The Locker Room with AJ. Um, I'm trying to do it monthly. Um, I'm still trying to, you know, uh, get more consistent with it. Uh, we have some, uh, some a couple more episodes being edited. And we have a few more uh, ready to be filmed. Um, so, yeah, it's growing. Um, it's going to be evolving. So, um you know, um, I think it, it all for the better. We want to try to listen to comments. If you have any comments, any uh, if anybody out there watches it and say, "Hell, we want to hear more of this. We want to see more of X, Y, Z. We want to cater that so that uh, people get what they want out of it. You know what I mean? Um, so uh, definitely growing and learning. So it's on YouTube um, at The Locker Room with AJ, and it'll be monthly. Um, and we got some more projects coming up, and uh, it's, it's going to be good. So. Um, I'm excited about it. I love it. Joe, how about your YouTube channel? How can we find yeah, that? Yeah, uh, like I said, just it's it's the man on second, man on 2ND, um, or just type in my name as well and help find it. I'm, I'm populating it. AJ, I'm finding a lot of, if I do these little short videos, like five to 10 seconds, a little highlight of a pitcher striking a kid out or a kid getting a big hit, um, those could grow numbers pretty quickly, but the algorithms also want, uh, they want, you know, minutes, uh, yeah. to eventually monetize as well. So I'm trying to figure out how to get people to listen to me babble on for five minutes about something instead <laughs> of just watching a, a five second interview or five yep, second same. video, I should say. Yeah. Same, man. It, it, it's a formula, but it, that's what makes it fun. You're trying to, you, again, it's all information. What is information telling you? How do you, how do you, uh, Tailor that information to get the result that you want. Yeah. Well, I'm going to keep working on it. Just like we grew this here at man, excuse me, at man on second on the real voices of the game network. AJ, any last uh, thoughts you want to get out there for everyone or, or are we pretty good? 
I think we're pretty good, man. We covered we covered a lot. Thank you for yeah. having me. Thank you for having me. No, thank you, buddy. We'll, we'll have you on again. You you offer a lot. We I, I'll pass you as long as you keep saying yes. So I think Dave would agree. I appreciate that. Yeah, yeah. Dave, uh, final announcements. Yeah, just uh, we mentioned our our friends out there. Make sure we support Jaw Bats RVG at checkout. Get you a discount. Great maple made bats, bow nets, and kinetic arm. Let's look out for them. And again, I, I encourage people to go back. And listen to the podcast where we had Jason Collar on from Kinetic Arm. I think it could solve a lot of our pitching issues out there that we talk about on this network. Uh, that, that sounds like interesting stuff. Again, thank you to AJ Ramos. Check him out at what the locker room uh, with what's the again? What's in locker room the, with AJ? Yeah, locker room with AJ. Uh, the locker room with AJ. Check that out. Uh, check out all the. Uh, all the shows here on Real Voices of the Game. We're growing fast. We're coming at you. Spring training has started. The games are going to be before we know it, and we're going to be diving in deep and doing a great job covering a lot of different aspects. Again, uh, fun time here. Thanks to everybody. Thanks for tuning in and listening. Joe Frisero, man on second, and we are out of here. And stay close to your friends. Toast each sundown with wine. Don't let the old man